This is Sound and Vision from KEXP, and this is the end of Women's History Month. So we are about to bring you another few episodes of Apparently, where we talk with parents who are juggling their art and music and being a parent. But first, I am joined by the mastermind of this series, <laughs> KEXP's Rachel Stevens, who is here. And uh, you're about to read a piece that you wrote for The New York Times about being a mom, yeah. being a worker, yes, and <laughs> juggling it all. Totally. Yeah. No, it's very different, a little different than uh, the other apparently pieces that we do because it's narrative. I wrote it as a written piece, but it's a lot alike because it's about working in the music business. And, you know, I, I work at KXP. I'm a mom. And so, like, I have definitely pumped milk while producing a show while Kevin's on the air and like I have in the DJ booth. in the DJ booth yeah <laughs> the first time I ever pumped like outside of the house I um was in our little mother's room and I accidentally spilled milk everywhere and I was like a new employee <laughs> but it was during the pandemic too so like nobody was here but it you was were just hired like you got hired like nine months nine pregnant. months pregnant yeah like, for your interview, you showed up and you're like, well, there's no hiding this. Hello. I'm a mom. I didn't tell you this until we got to the very yes. end of this interview process. Yes. So it was, you know, it's been a part of my time here at KXP. And so it feels really special to be able to write a piece like this, have it received like this, and be able to share it on Sound and Vision. Yeah. And then I've got a piece. This is going to be my debut, apparently, piece. So it's about Tanya Tagak. And um, she's an Anuk throat singer from Canada. And I was super interested in getting her perspective on motherhood because I feel like there's this book that I purchased a while ago that has just come in the mail. It's called Hunt, Gather, Parent. It's by NPR reporter Mykleen Duclef, who went to cultures all over the world and just learned how, like, other cultures approach parenting and in a lot of ways, it's so much better than what we do in the West. And part of it was she looked at Inuit communities and how they approach parenting. And so when Tanya Tagach um, put out her album, I was like, I want to interview about this album, but I also just want to interview her about being a mom. And so here's just a clip of that conversation I had with Tanya. I actually, um, I'm, I'm currently pregnant, and so I'm reading all these parenting books right now. <laughs> Thank you. It's my... Is that your first yes, baby? Yes, yes, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, but I'm, you know... You're going to meet the love of your life. Yeah. How exciting. Oh, yes. Yay. <laughs> yay, yay, yay. I... Uh, I'm so excited that this is finally out there. Yeah, so that's the big reveal, is that I am pregnant. <laughs> the first time I told uh, anyone, but I mean, Rachel's known for a while, but I also told Cat Power when I interviewed Cat Power oh in January. So let me, do, let me just play that real quick. And off the record, I haven't told the station yet, but I'm expecting in July. So Are for you with my first, me? <laughs> yeah. Whoa! <laughs> uh, wow. I wanted to share. Congratulations! Is it your first? It's my first. Yeah. Oh my yeah. Gosh, that's incredible. Get ready. It's the, <laughs> it's the biggest fear you. It's the biggest fear you've never known. Number one, and it's the greatest love that you can never translate. I mean, how cool that you have 
that you have these reactions like on tape. Like I would give anything. And then it's like cat power. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, incredible. And, and so also what I, what I wanted to say is that um, you've heard Rachel on Sound and Vision. um, And I also want to say that I will be gone. I'm, I'm also, let's, let's also celebrate Women's History Month. I am having a girl. Rachel's also a girl mom. And um, uh, my girl is due in July. And then Rachel is taking over Sound and Vision during my maternity leave. So you're going to hear Rachel a lot more on this show. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you. I am terrified and excited because you have such huge shoes to fill, but I am so psyched to be a part of this team. Well, I think after anyone hears this essay that you are about to read, (laughs) they will have no doubt in their mind that you are ready uh, to take over this show for a few months. So without further ado, this is uh, your article that showed up uh, in the New York Times, and it is titled... Uh, swimming upstream in heels and skinny pants. All right, let's take a listen. I can't stop thinking about salmon. During Seattle's last salmon spawning season, I was able to see it for the first time. And I am not a scientist, nor am I a marine biologist or a fish expert or even a YouTube-educated hobbyist, but here's what I've learned. It's beautiful. The salmon must know that they're near the end of their lives, so they swim upstream with the last of their energy. There, the female salmon finds a safe place to build a nest, which they do with their tails, moving around mud and rocks to make a perfect home. The male salmon then comes courting, and when the female finds a male that she likes, she lays her eggs in the nest, and her male of choice fertilizes them. Left alone with her newly incubated eggs, the female then lies on top of her nest and dies so that her body's nutrients can feed her babies. She literally dies for them. It's incredible. The first time I was pregnant, I watched in anguish as I miscarried in the bathroom of the advertising agency where I worked. The pregnancy was early, but I was already in love. My denial was strong that morning. I felt like something was off, but I went into the office early anyway, hoping to will everything into working out. This has always been my way of getting what I wanted, and I wanted that baby so badly. Soon enough, I was in the bathroom, staring at what had come out of me, bawling. If I could have died and given my body to keep that pregnancy, I would have. Instead, life went on. I cleaned up my makeup, went back to work, sat through an important meeting, then excused myself and went to see my doctor. The pregnancy was over while I remained, swimming through the darkest waters, wondering where I went wrong. Six months later, I was pregnant again, and shortly thereafter, I got some bad news. My boss, who didn't know I was pregnant, asked if he could chat with me. We had lost our biggest client. I was being let go. At 11 a.m., I walked down a long hallway, out of work, and into the world. I was lost. In salmon terms, I had been swimming upstream in heels and skinny pants, cocktail in one hand, PowerPoint clicker in another. And when it was time for a baby, and the river told me that I had to let go of all of it, let go of my old self, and die a hard death, I was 
one shocked fish. I was knocked up and laid off and felt like I was dying. I left the office and found myself wandering downtown Seattle. I called my husband and told him the news and then asked, is there such thing as a virgin Manhattan? My daughter was born at the beginning of the pandemic, March 17th, 2020. Hey, Marcy. Hi. Good morning. Yeah. Hi. Family soon meant something completely different to us. I'm your mama. I'm your mama. Survival felt more real to us than it ever had. We hunkered down and became a tight-knit family in our nest and stayed as safe as we could. Sweetheart, good morning. Who's that? Hi, sweetie. When my mother came out to help us for four months, I saw her love in a new way. She never once got frustrated with Marceline, who cried and cried as my mother held her close and sang to her. When Marceline fell asleep, my mother asked for a pillow so she could prop the arm holding up my sleeping baby's head. Then they sat there and rocked for hours. You did this for me? I asked. She nodded and smiled. I don't remember my reply, but I'm sure I was crying. I was crying a lot during this time. I was my mother's first child, so she couldn't help but giggle through my freakouts and hold me tighter through my legitimate worries. She had learned with me, and now I learned from her, just as salmon return years later to spawn in the same stream where they hatched. I guess there's a natural pull to make it back to where you came from when you're ready to make life yourself. And I did feed my baby with my body. Like, I get it, Salmon. We will give anything to help this being we love survive and thrive. I know that some parents, that's formula. To others, it's someone else's breast milk. For me and my daughter, it was my breasts. My chest got so big that I laughed thinking about some of my go-to presentation outfits because they would not fit anymore. Not even close. Then I got a job at KEXP. I had to pump my breast milk from the studio to keep Marceline fed. To get her to take a bottle, I had to hide on the floor of my bedroom while my mother walked my daughter around the apartment trying to get this new way of feeding to take without the original source of milk in sight. Me. Just days after seeing the salmon spawn in the wild in Seattle, it was clear that Marceline was done breastfeeding. It had been a while since she asked to nurse, and I could feel my body drying up. In bed with her that morning, I decided to ask my toddler directly. I pulled up my shirt and I said, Do you want boobies? Marceline looked at my bare breasts the same way that I look at a tapas menu, thinking, Is this what I want? Is this going to do it for me? She said, and I put my shirt down and that was that. Feeding my baby with my body was over. That night, I had a full-strength Manhattan. Okay, I had two. All right, I had three. My husband joined in the celebration of me getting my body back, raising his own Manhattan to that. But there was a sadness, too, in no longer being able to show this kind of physical love to feed my baby's body from my own. 
I'm picturing a salmon egg hatching. I find myself asking, like, does this new baby fish know that the bones nearby belonged to her mother? That she gave her body so that her children could live? Or does the baby swim off wondering what that smell is, only to realize later at the end of her own life that the same is now asked of her? Oh, I actually have to die for this new life I'm creating, which must mean that my mother had to swim upstream in the same stream and die for me too. This beautiful tradition of spawning is something that will stick with me. Most days I feel completely unrecognizable to the person that I was just three years ago. But then Marceline climbs up next to me with a book or I watch her down a bottle with one hand while dancing to a song that comes on the radio and I think, oh, there I am. I've already died multiple times for my daughter and I can only imagine how many times my own mother had to die for me. But I'm ready. The swim is hard. Our nest is a mess. But this life I'm giving my daughter, at whatever cost to my body, sanity, and pride, is the best way to die. Love you. Oh, I love you. That was the wonderful Rachel Stevens with her New York Times piece called Swimming Upstream in Heels and Skinny Pants. And now, I've been especially emotional the past few weeks I think it's pregnancy. I think it's hormones. But man, when I heard the sound of her little girl in that story, I I got a little choked up. <laughs> You're going to be in such good hands this summer. All right. So coming up in the next episode of Apparently on Sound and Vision, we will get parenting advice from Inuk Throat singer Tanya Tagak, who raised two kids who do not whine as a mostly single mom and never stop performing. I always toured with my kids. I left them home sometimes. And I toured till I was seven months pregnant, usually. And then after the second one, I was back on the road after three months. That's next time on Sound and Vision. Thanks so much for listening. If you appreciate what you hear in this podcast, please do us a huge favor and subscribe to, rate, and review this show. It's a great way to spread the word and let others know that this podcast is worth their time. Also, think about sharing an episode that you loved with a friend. You can also go the extra mile and help financially support this show with a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.